This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott. You're in the manly Warthog Man Cave. And um, the Warthog Man Cave is, of course, associated with the Melvin Law Studio. Melvin Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, and we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. On-the-spot cleaners is one of our great sponsors. Always go to on-the-spot cleaners. Those are MDs, another sponsor here. Let me tell you about CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. Here is a little one of those little cups that you use. You can also get beans to grind. You can also get ammunition. So, and use Ward Scott 15 for 15% off. There you go. Let's see what's happening today and the world style cuts. Let me tell you, great guy, David Ratliff. Get down there and get your ears set out. Okay. Police stuff, as my father used to say. Well, 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 I'm going to start out with some local things here. Kind of disappointing things. It's very seldomly good news locally. Seems like. And WCJB has put out a little blurb that Chief Lonnie Scott has responded to Cynthia Curry's memo about what in the world is wrong with GPD. Well, some of what is wrong with GPD is probably wrong with GPD. But we're going to show you it's wrong with law enforcement everywhere. And we're going to try to trace back for you why. At least why it's gotten worse, as we say. So, according to the needed improvement. It's communications. You know, communications is vague. I'm not sure exactly what they mean there. Um, communications, communications. Okay. But the morale, the persistent morale has resulted in staffing sh- shortages. And they're going to have listening sessions to hear issues most pertinent employees. Come on. Come on. This ain't new. Listening sessions? You got to be kidding me. First of all, nobody ever says anything in them. And secondly, nobody listens to the listing. It's just, you know, for a while they had Tony Jones hanging around down there, drawing over 200000 a year. 
and Lonnie Scott. I don't get it. Meanwhile, they're jumping all over the former Alachua County Sheriff for the same problems that GPD's got. And the new interim's going to come in and fix it. No, he's not. He's going to struggle with the same issues that culture is struggling with. Although some of it is unique to the Keystone Cop type thing we have to deal with. And we've had to lower the standards, I guess you know that, to get people to be a cop. So more power to Lonnie. I think they'll just use him to kick around. And eventually what I'm hearing, they'll move the second-in-command guy up to be the commander, the chief. He came in, I think, from up north somewhere. They'll do that. They'll keep stirring the pot. Meanwhile, somebody sprayed KKK on a fence in the Gainesville neighborhood. Yeah. You wouldn't think, well, maybe you would, that the spraying of KKK on a fence would bring all this attention to itself. I mean, I look at the wall on 34th. I think you could probably spray it there and nobody would notice it because there's so much other stuff on there. But you go spraying it on a fence. It was a white fence, I think. It was in pink, maybe pink, maybe, I don't know, red letters. And all of a sudden, it becomes a deal. Now, Evelyn Fox, who is the president of the NAACP, a nice lady. I really like Evelyn Fox. I know her quite well. She's never been anything but nice to me. I don't think she hurt a bone in a person's body. And she's been over here, the NAACP president, forever and a day. And she got involved with it. And of course, this becomes an opportunity to blow it up. And she says, we still have a lot of hate and bigotry, and people who want to identify themselves with, hey, hey, listen, we've also got a lot of good people. Getting Nobody ever mentions that. We've got a black president at Santa Fe College. From everything I hear, I've never really met much time with man. Very good. How about the positive things? Why would you bite on the bait given by the stupid heads who put KKK on a fence and all of a sudden chicken little of the sky is falling? I mean, I, 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 I wish Evelyn Fox had taken this opportunity to say all the good things that are going on. And there are a lot of good things going on. 
But that's not the way it comes out. And there's some rhetoric that makes you wonder. Peace is under attack. Must be a hate group. Must be fear mongers. Without any evidence, you know, it makes you think of the instance where the hospital that was blown up in Gaza was blamed on the Israelis. When actually it was the Hamas group. But everybody rushed to make this conclusion. You know, almost called the show today, Rush to Judgment. There is so much rush to judgment. So this is a good little example. Calm down, calm down, calm down. Don't feed the whole deal. And you know, I was thinking of something else here. Is does drinking, open container drinking, lead to gun violence? And I think I made the point yesterday that gun violence is not related to drinking. Gun violence is related to drugs. Let me give you an example of something that made me think about this. You may recall yesterday that I talked about having had a female student at the college from the Middle East who taught me a lot about the Middle East. She said that the problem was going to be all these males with nothing to do. Well, it so happens that reports are coming in now that the bloodthirsty Hamas terrorists were high on a powerful stimulant dubbed the poor man's cocaine when they launched their surprise attack on Israel. Captagon, a synthetic amphetamine-type stimulant, was found in the pockets of the dead or captured terrorists after they invaded the Jewish state. Israel's Channel 12 reported this. The drug, now this basically, here's where I'm going. These Hamas guys are basically gangs. I mean, there's gangs. We have gangs here. Not as 
directed toward, in spite of what you think, white supremacists, but each other for territorial domination. Lots of similarities in their profile. The drug these gangs of males used is called the drug of jihad. Cocaine for the poor. It helps explain the atrocities. This drug was first produced in Germany in the 1960s to help treat attention deficit disorders. ISIS used it in 2015 to suppress fear before carrying out their attacks. This was reported by the Jerusalem Post. Now it's being produced in Lebanon and Syria and distributed widely. Fentanyl. We're going to get to that in a moment. But Hamas terrorists were reportedly high on this poor man's cocaine when they launched their attack on Israel, took the hostages, all the above. There are billions of dollars of Captagon being trafficked through the Syrian regime. Foundation for the Defense of Democracies knows this. It's been tracing it for quite a while. It has recently grown in popularity in Gaza. The pills can be purchased for a dollar to a pop in poor countries. The terrorists get a crazy joy in their eyes when they take them. In 2020, Captagon's exports from Syria reached a minimum of $3.5 billion, a figure five times greater than the combined value of the country's legal export industries, estimated at just over $700 million. In December 2021, Kuwaiti authorities seized $9 million, $9 million of the pills hidden in a shipment of oranges. And a few days earlier, officials in Dubai intercepted 1.5 tons of Captagon pills worth about $380 million concealed inside a shipment, a shipment of lemons. Students, I submit into the class conversation. Does open container lead to guns? No. Do drugs lead to guns? Yes. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Yet the Gainesville GPD are going to have listening sessions, 
God knows what else. Really. You cannot be serious. Cannot be serious. Let's see what I got here in my midnight hour. There are some awful signs. Maybe. And perhaps you heard this. But the founder of a Black Lives Matter organization, his name is Mark Fisher, has endorsed Trump as the best candidate we have. He stepped down from his leadership position at Black Lives Matter Rhode Island, which he co-founded, and he's now founder and executive director of the Maryland-based Black Lives Matter Incorporated. He has stood in solidarity with leaders of the Proud Boys, and he's led vigils of prayer for the people he believes to be political prisoners. Every little bit counts. I wish Evelyn Fox had made a more positive statement. Mr. Fisher sees the Proud Boys as lambs being led to slaughter. He told the Epoch Times this. And what the government is really doing is trying to punish those who express independent thought and want to stand up for what they believe. And he sees similarities between the January 6th prisoners and how black people have been treated. And he wants to find a connection of common ground between, of all things, the January 6th Proud Boys and the Black Lives Matter. Interesting. He said that accusing Trump supporters of the U.S. Capitol, January 6th thing, was like Black Lives Matter being blamed for the 2020 summer riots. When he said they were really the culprit in all that was Antifa along with a lot of other anarchist groups. Now, this guy might be the only voice we got in the wilderness. But it's a point of view that needs to be listened to. Now, Fisher expresses contempt for the government and the media. He says he doesn't trust the federal or state government and the media fans the flames between the whites and the blacks, causing the division between all the marginalized groups, which makes good headlines. And he has tried to explain what is meant by Black Lives Matter. He says it's not that black lives are better. 
It's not that black lives are greater or black lives matter more. It's just simply a statement. But the statement has become so loaded that people have processed it differently through their own biased lens and experience. Now, it was for the big Black Lives Matter organization. Let's this guy's voice be heard on a larger platform. We'll see. But he said, black people want the same thing that white people want. We want life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We want to make money and have a family. Now, that have a family thing is under contention because, you know, the government, with its handouts, has broken up the black family. So he says that blacks and whites together are fundamentally American, entrepreneurial, and embrace capitalist principles. He would like to see Black Lives Matter organization focus on entrepreneurship education and financial empowerment for black Americans. He does not speak highly of the Democrat Party. Now, listen to what he says about the Democrat Party. He says it's a racist party with racist policies that negatively impact black families. The Democratic Party abuses the blacks with policies that are absolutely antithetical to what black people yearn for in the country, in this country, which is, of course, life, liberty, freedom, the pursuit of happiness. And he keeps adding a family to raise. And he says, this is why Donald Trump is so popular. He is anti, Donald Trump is anti-institution. He can't be bought according to Fisher, it can't be sold. He's going to give it to you straight. He's going to keep it real. And those who relate to that love it about him. He says it's a no-brainer that Trump is the best candidate. But he recalled Biden saying on a radio show on running for office in 2020, well, I'll tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're from here or Trump, then you ain't black. And Fisher called Biden out for that, saying that's a racist statement. That's the Democrat plantation, he said, telling black people they're too stupid to think independently, too stupid to think critically. And that we've got to march down to the polls and do what we're told to do. He points to the example. On October 16th, look at how a black neighborhood in Fulton County cheered Trump on the way to the county jail. They know that the government is harassing him because they've been harassed in their own lives. 
and they recognize the persecution. Fisher cannot stand the term woke. He says nobody knows what it means. This guy, however, recognizes that the media continues to manufacture division. Now, I go back to what I discovered with you. The media picked up on the KKK, on a white fence, out came Evelyn Fox and started talking about hate groups. The media amplified this. And the leaders took an opportunity to feed off it. To feed off it. What do you think, students? Isn't that something? We got a few minutes before we take a break for the weather. McDonald's franchises. They are caught in the war between Israel and Hamas. If they endorse the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, then they lose business in Lebanon and throughout the rest of the Middle East. McDonald's Malaysia is a 100% Muslim-owned entity. I never thought of that, but you've got McDonald's all over these places. And you think this Budweiser deal was difficult when they embraced the transitioning male, whatever that is, try this. Try this all for size. When you've got the Arab world, American power, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and Israel. What 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 fine line do you walk there? How do you how do you do that? Be right back with Ward Scott Files in a minute with Ward's weather. 
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Rum. This exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food, rum cocktails, raffles, and a meet and greet with me. Each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's Single Barrel Select Risky Rum. And I'll sign the bottle if you'd like. So get your ticket before they sell out at Spurrier's.com. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show... Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather Report. Brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Dealers, Fossil Fuel. We got pretty good weather here, ideal really. But the season's first widespread snowfall is coming to the Rockies. And this will impact about half a dozen states, disrupt travel. But It'll be in the ski season. So if you like to go down the mountain, hello, snow is coming. Snow and cold are coming. It's going to be pretty chilly. I'm looking at the map here. Uh, 
Wyoming especially. It's always cold in Wyoming. Jackson Hole is one of the coldest places you can go to. All right. We'll miss that, thankfully. Well, well, well. I've reported on this several times. It's a story that doesn't go away because it's kind of at the beginning of the cultural shift in attitude toward the cops. And that's the George Floyd story. Now, Tucker Carlson, who's been kicked off of Fox, but you can't keep him quiet. He's just gone nuclear. And he says the whole George Floyd story is a lie. And that the official narrative on the matter has become a fact baked into American socio-political discourse. And you know, one of the things that always bothered me about it is the kid to whom he gave the counterfeit $20 bill was a black kid. And the owner of the store did what all the owners do said that $20 is coming out of your paycheck. I go out there and see if you can get that guy. He'd be good $20. So a black kid goes to a black guy, says, hey, you gave me a phony 20. Give me a good one, and I won't have to take out my paycheck. What do they do? They tear up the 20, throw it on the ground, spit on it. Black on black. I'm the only one that I know of who's ever, ever reported that. It's not part of the official narrative. So what has ensued, Tucker Carlson says, is now Floyd is practically considered a civil rights leader by the left and the establishment media. Reality, he says, cannot get in the way of the official narrative. Now, he's done some research and he has found some documents that show the Hennepin County prosecutors were under extreme pressure to deliver certain indictments based around the evidence. The county attorney, Mike Freeman, has been outed by a former crop prosecutor, Amy Sweezy. who has suggested right strongly and has produced a series of 
communications that she was screamed at by Freeman during a phone call. She's given sworn testimony to this. He asked whether we had worked out deals in state court with the other three officers. Of course we had not. She screamed. He screamed. What the F have they been doing all day? Well, Raymond brings up the optics of the thing. And he said, I don't give a F about optics. You two get back to work. You're screwing this thing up. So, I don't know how this is going to work out, but Carlson has dug it up. That there were dissenting prosecutors who didn't go along with the chief prosecutor. That's not part of the official narrative. The chief prosecutor said to the complaining assistant prosecutor, Amy, what happens when the actual evidence doesn't match up with the public narrative that everybody's already decided on? And then he said, this is the kind of case that ends careers. It's a pretty telling statement. Actual evidence does does not match up with the public narrative that everyone's already decided on. And this can affect my career. Wow. Carlson contends that a small group of people therefore allowed massive changes to be made to American society. And some of the massive changes are the following. Decriminalizing stealing. Defunding the police. Adding a new federal holiday called Juneteenth. And of course, most significantly, sending Derek Chauvin to prison for more than 40 years. and making him to be the racist white devil who murdered George Floyd. Sweeney, the Amy Sweeney, who is testifying against the prosecutor who yelled at her and who told her whatever they came up with had to fix the desired narrative. Says that Floyd was not murdered. I've always contended that was a gross misuse of the word. As not murdered. He died, according to 
Sweezy's testimony and hasn't come out in the official narrative, but Tucker says exists, of natural causes brought about by decades of drug use and most significantly a fatal concentration of fentanyl that was in his system on that final day. Carlson hypothesizes well more than that he has found a retired Hennepin County medical examiner and this guy actually testified at Chauvin's trial this guy told Carlson if Floyd had been found at home with the amount of metamethamine and fentanyl that he had in his system at the time of his death, that would be considered an overdose. Interesting. If Floyd had been found dead at home with the same drugs enemy had under Chauvin's knee, it would have been called an overdose. With Chauvin in the picture and desired narrative with the desired outcome, it's murder. Floyd has been elevated by the Democratic Party's prototypical black man prototypical black man. And this is the profile. To the Democrats, Floyd was perfect. He was poor. He was uneducated. He was a drug addict. He didn't have a job. And he was down there begging and crying and asking the white people not to kill him. To a white Democrat, this is the perfect profile a black man. Doesn't that kind of cross-reference with Black Lives Matter comments a minute ago? So the Democrats, white, elevated Lloyd to the poster child. Or purely political reasons. And in so doing, became a catalyst that sped along social changes that progressive have been wanting 
a long time, but couldn't get Wow. Wow. How about that? I'm looking at my chat line here. There's an article maybe out of the Western Journal. What was uh, written by an outfit called the Restoration of America. That goes with what I just read you. It's a comparison of how the universities responded to George Floyd's death and the Israeli massacre. And the article starts by saying, high-retire elites were quick to hail the drug addict George Floyd as a national hero with the Hamas attack. They're not so black and white. They call George Floyd's death, they call George Floyd an opioid addict with a high tolerance for fentanyl and a criminal history of drug abuse. He had a fatal level of fentanyl in his body when he was arrested for buying cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. The Ivy League colleges picked up on this and began to talk about systemic racism. Now, however, the same universities are quiet about Hamas. And this article goes through the universities. Yale. the university president. Mr. Floyd's death follows a pattern of racial injustice that has become too familiar in our country and that amounts to a national emergency. He had an 800-word letter in May 2020 that damned the racism and bigotry in our society. His letter three days after the 2023 Hamas attacks titled War in the Middle East is half the length of his comments about Floyd. He condemns the attacks by Hamas and then says, but let's not forget that non-militant Palestinians have been killed or displaced as well as Israeli Jews. Harvard, in May 2020, the Harvard president, 
wrote 600 words about the shocking and senseless killing of yet another black person, George Floyd, at the hands of those charged with protecting us. There you go. He wrote a 126-word release after the Hamas attack. Let there be no doubt I, I condemn the terrorist atrocities perpetrated by Hamas. Such inhumanity is abhorrent, whatever one's individual views are the origins of longstanding conflicts in the region. And I appeal to all of us in this community of learning to keep this in mind as our conversations continue. Pretty damning, wouldn't you say? You know, compare that statement to what Ben Sass said. And go back and look at how the Florida Faculty Union opposed his hiring. Cornell, same kind of garbage. I'm about to read it. Brown. Same sort of stuff. Columbia. A horrifying ending of the life of George Floyd drew back the curtains on centuries of invidious discrimination against African-Americans. Columbia University President Lee Bollinger gushed in 2020 and then warned, we will descend into authoritarianism under President Trump. Nothing like that for Hamas. Nothing. Princeton. Same stuff. What the analysis by Hayden Ludwig, Director of Research for Restoration America, concludes that this is pretty clear evidence of the decline of Western universities and the infiltration of Marxist ideology. Students, it's your world. One thing that did catch my eye, I want to share with you. You heard me say that I went to military school. It was all male. And that I was so glad it was all male. And yet, this really makes me stop and reevaluate. 
a squad of female IDF combat troops eliminated nearly 100 Hamas terrorists. Lieutenant Colonel Ben Yahadi, the commander of this unit, recounts her experiences in the southern Gaza Strip, where her battalion eliminated approximately 100 terrorists. She has a clear message for those who questioned the capabilities of female fighters. And then it goes on to describe the battle. And it was ferocious. They dug in and shot it out. They had terrorists approaching them from all angles. From dirt embankments. From a convoy. Terrorists had snipers. And yet, throughout a nearly four-hour battle, this female IDF outfit fought an intense combat. until they eventually could get support. She had tank soldiers under her command who came in and played a vital role. And when it was all said and done, they eliminated about 100 terrorists. Jerusalem Post reports that. Wow. There you go. And let me tell you something. There's no more ferocious fighter than a woman protecting her children. You better believe it. Meanwhile, Customs and Border Protection has a memo that we have a record number of people on the terror watch list at our southern border. And guess what? Middle-aged males, military males, are seen in possession of military gear. They're single travelers. They're being watched. More of them here recently. Official numbers released Saturday show that there are a record number, 169 people encountered by Border Patrol agents at the southern border on the terror watch list. That surpasses the number encountered in the last six fiscal years combined. Victor Davis Hansen says that if Trump had been the president, 
There is no way, that's his language, Hamas would have invaded Israel under Trump. But that Biden and Obama have created a foreign policy of appeasement. He says Putin would not even have invaded Ukraine. He says that Tehran was quiet for four years while Trump was in. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He says you cannot put your allies in a position where they have to profess 110% solidarity with the United States when the United States doesn't believe in it itself. Excellent point. Just an excellent point. All right, checking us back. Oh, Tim Martin's comments. And Hillier. All right, have a great day. Lord Hall Command Center out.